Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5. Here's what Paul writes. He says, therefore, having been justified. Now, we've been talking to you for the last three months about being justified. We just took a break so you could have Easter. But we've been talking about it forever. Uh, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also we also have access by faith to the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also, here it is, glory in tribulation. You know what that means? You don't, you don't glory for tribulation. Do it in. God wants to work something out in you. So he says we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. See, that's why some people have no hope, because the character has not been developed because they didn't stay in the fight. Are we still here? Amen. The Bible says in verse 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you uh, this morning on this title, The Results of Justification. The Results of Justification. Uh, you've been justified, so what, sh what should be happening if you've been justified? What should a justified saint look like? What should a justified saint act? life. Amen? Let's see if we can't try to find out this morning. Let's look to the Father. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for this day, God. We thank you for the multiplicity of blessings that you've placed upon your people. God, we receive them now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for every need being met, for every body being made whole. God, we thank you for every household being prosperous, and we give you praise for that. We thank you now for every man and woman that's breaking the bread of life around the world, Add a blessing to their words in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Now, when Paul writes some of this, uh, what he is doing, basically, is uh, he's trying to, to stretch your uh, concept of salvation, change your thinking so that you understand uh, what God is doing in your life. Now, you can only understand this if you see both sides of the equation. And see, most of us only see a part of what God is doing. Amen? On the one hand, the Bible says we are complete in Christ. Our acceptance with him is secure. That means that we're whole, complete, and lacking nothing. Amen? But on the other hand, the Bible says we are growing in Christ which means that we're becoming more and more like him. So if the Bible says you are complete in Christ, that you are the representation of the fullness of Christ, then why would you still be growing? Well, because, you know, let's face it now, uh, the Bible says positionally you are there, but experientially you still have a ways to go. Amen. Now, when you were born, it was with the expectation 
that you would one day be a grown woman or man. But when you were born, you were not full grown. But you were born to be a man or a woman. So at some point in time, after you had some experience in life, guess what you become? Unless you're Michael. <laughs> That's a joke. It took it. <laughs> and it's floating around the room. <laughs> but at the same time, the Bible says we have the status of kings and the duties of slaves. That means I can do all things, the Bible says, through Christ. But the thing he wants me to do is be a servant. Hello. Uh, the tendency is we want to we abuse our position sometimes. Amen. So he says we, feel, we both feel the presence of Christ and the pressure of sin. See, you're living in this flesh, which always wants to rise up. And on any given day, you can wake up feeling bad any given day. And that's an opportunity. <laughs> oh, well, I thought it was. Look at y'all. It's an opportunity to prove God. Oh, come on now. <laughs> so, so the Bible says this. We enjoy the peace that comes from being made right with God, but we still face daily problems. And see, you, you, this is what saints get confused sometimes. Just because you're going through something does not mean that God is not in that mix. Amen. We think that whenever God is uh, doing something that we don't like, that he doesn't like us anymore. And it's just the opposite. Amen. So we have both sides of the Christian life, and, and we won't grow uh, to be discouraged if we understand that. Now, most people know that in life we're going to have problems because the Bible says that, you know, we're going to have tribulation. Amen. Amen. But Jesus said he overcame them. So how did he do it? And see, this is the part of our Christianity we have a tendency to forget. How did Jesus overcome? Wow. He died. He didn't just say, you know what, I think I'm going to die. He didn't do that. He allowed sinful men to have their way with him. Come on. He suffered on the cross. He died for your salvation. So how did he overcome? The Bible says by the blood of the lamb. In other words, he shed his blood so that you would have a chance to experience what he experienced. Oh, amen. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. It was not the agony that was the problem for him. The Bible says, I just need to get past this so I can get to the glory. And you all ain't feeling it this morning. Okay. All right. So the Bible says we have to learn and depend on the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be resident in each one of us. But a lot of people don't know that they have the power of the Holy Spirit in them because 
they act like they're helpless and hopeless. The Holy Spirit is supposed to endue you with power. Hmm? The Holy Spirit is supposed to be that, and we said this last night, we were teasing with some of the folk from uh, uh, last night, it gives you an unction. And that word in the King James is unction, but it's in the New King James is translated anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. The Holy Spirit is your anointing. The Holy Spirit is your anointing. One more time. The Holy Spirit is your anointing. So when you tell people, I'm anointed, <laughs> which is amazing to me that you would do that, but a lot of people do that. But if you're telling somebody that you are anointed, what you're saying is, I have the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why you shouldn't tell people you are anointed. You're looking at me funny because if you say that, I expect to see something. Now, if you tell me you're anointed, hey, I'm going to reach out and touch you. I'm going to let you lay hands on my checkbook. Come on, if you tell me you're anointed, I expect the power of God to be resident in you, and he's supposed to get you to the point that you can do all things. So you ought not tell folks, I'm anointed. Just say you're saved. <laughs> so the Bible says, therefore, that's how he begins this. He says, therefore, uh, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So the first thing we find out is that if we are truly justified, we, we're going to be able to live in peace with God. Now, the, 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 the truth is that when we say peace with God, we think it means peace with men. Just because you can't get along with somebody doesn't mean that you don't have the peace of God. Now, if I have a problem getting along with saved folk, now that's a little bit. You know, the Bible says as much as lies within you, live peaceable with all men. You can't live peacefully with all people, especially unbelievers. Come on now. Can I? Mm. Okay. So the Bible says this, that to be justified by faith means that uh, to be obedient to the faith. You have to be obedient to the faith that God has placed in you. Now, in chapter 4 of the Bible, it tells us that Abraham was justified by faith. And the reason that Abraham was justified by faith is because Abraham, what? Believed God. And the Bible says that God accounted to him for righteousness. Now, so that means that faith then, faith must be an active, obedient faith. It means that faith then requires human effort. Come on, you better tell somebody. Faith requires human effort. <clears throat> Pastor, how, if it's just faith, why does it need human effort? Because faith must have an object. <clears throat> so the Bible says that Abraham believed God, and how do we know he believed God? Because he believed that he was going to have a son. So what did he do? 
He started acting like a man that was going to have a child. Now, you ought to get that later on. Because both of them were dead, right? But they began to act like they were child-reducing AIDS. I just love the wave, boy. But they realized that the only way that they were going to bring about the word of God is to begin to do what God said was going to happen. So they were obedient to the word of God. Are y'all? <laughs> so, so the Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith. So it's the grace of God that says, okay, you're going to have a child. But by faith, I believe that this child's going to come. So I stand on this promise because I believe what the word of God says. That is the human element of my faith. You cannot have faith without human effort. Are y'all still with me? So the Bible says uh, faith may require us then to do something like waiting. Say what? Faith may require us just to wait. Uh, sometimes you, you don't, don't see anything until you've waited the appropriate time. You ever read in the Bible passages that say, at the appointed time? At the appointed time. Now, do you don't think that, that that's a year or an hour or a minute? No, it, it's, it's whatever time God wills. That's the appointed time. Amen? So then... Uh, the effective part of faith is, is our connection with God. What does that mean, our connection with God? Then when I believe what God says, it connects me and him, and he becomes the object of my faith, and I become the subject of his faith. And when we work in tandem, the Bible says, my faith is then effective. I'm believing God. I'm not believing what I see or what I feel. I'm believing God. Whatever God says, that's what I'm going to do. Now, let me tell you this. If you haven't heard anything from God, don't do anything. Don't be trying to manufacture something. Are y'all still with me? So the Bible goes on to tell us this. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Faith like Abraham's never requires blind trust, but with eyes wide open. That means you, you got to watch unto prayer. I don't pe people really don't understand when it says watch unto prayer. You don't just wake up one day and pray for something. But you've got to be aware of everything that's going on around you. You have to be aware of what needs may need to go to God. And that's how you pray. That's how you watch under pray, prayer. Now, if you live in America, you got a lot of stuff you need to pray for. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to do much watching, and I'm going to leave that alone. 
Uh, so the Bible says this. It says uh, that if we have faith, we can experience a different kind of life. But he goes on to say it's not going to be easy. And why does he say it's not going to be easy? Because the Bible says that as we see in, in the text, there's some things that, that are part of our development and our growth. And the Bible says that if we're going to have a full life with God, we have to have peace with God. We have to have a joyful hope, a joyful hope. I'm coming back to that one because it needs some explanation. See, a lot of people hope as the world hopes, which is different. The worldly hope is a desire or a want, whereas hoping with God is believing what God said. Hope is always future. That's why it says hope in God. Amen? Not hope in the world. I'm not hoping for a new house or a new car. Amen. But I am hoping for a good life. Healthy body. Sound mind. All the things that he promised me in his word. Are y'all with me here? <clears throat> so he says there's a progression and we want to show you there are five results here of being justified. The first one the Bible says is that we have peace with God. And as I told you earlier, peace does not mean that uh, everybody gets along. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that peace with God is a relationship of harmony between two persons much more often than individual tranquility. So we say I'm at peace. It means basically as, as humans, I'm at peace with me. I don't care about anybody else. I'm okay. No, but the Bible says peace with God. It means that I have peace with God's people. I share something with the other people who also share the presence of God in their life. So I have peace with God only after I have the peace of God. So when I have the peace of God, then I can be at peace with you. Now, I can't be at peace alone. Let me, you can't be at peace alone. You can't be at peace alone. Amen. Now, some of you, if you live by yourself, you know that sometimes you get mad with yourself. Now, this has happened to people, especially as you get up in the numbers. People walk in their own house and say, somebody move my stuff. <laughs> That's why you always need to live with somebody so you can say, what'd you do with my stuff? <laughs> that never happens to y'all, right? The second thing the Bible says, <laughs> it's the truth. The second thing the Bible says here in verse 2 is this. It says, through whom we have access by faith. Now, if I am a faithful man, if I believe in the word of God, I have access to God. What does that mean, access? That means that when Jesus died, he removed the veil that was between us so I can walk directly into the presence of God. But I'm not going in the presence of God so I can go out and come in and go out and come in. The Bible says that when I go to God for, for my 
access it is a continual access. That's why the Bible says that, that when we come into his presence, it's an indwelling presence. That means I'm there forever. In other words, you don't go to God for an interview. Do you understand this? You don't go for a job interview. And, uh, you know, well, God, I think I'm going to pass on this job. Oh, no. Can I, can I just help you a little bit? See, so many people who are called to do a certain thing don't want to do the thing they were called to do. And they have an interview with God because they're anointed. And they believe that they can do this thing because God has anointed them to do it. And therefore, if God doesn't let you do it, then you don't get the job. So, I, I, you know, I just went there for the interview, but I decided to not to take the job. Uh-oh. So you don't go to God to see if. You go to God to stay permanently, to be in continuous fellowship with him. What does that mean? That means that I'm there for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Come on, y'all with me here? See, we believe that, 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 that uh, we treat God like we do a job or uh, uh, I hate to say marriage, but some people treat it that way. Well, I'm going to try it, but if you don't, I don't like it, I'm, I'm just going to interview some wives, you know. <laughs> but we come to God to remain with him. Amen. And then the Bible says the third result, the third result is the hope of glory, uh, hope for the glory of God. Now, 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 when we are justified, we want to see the glory. That's why we are being justified. Amen. So when the scripture speaks of the believer's hope, it means that, again, it's not like the world's hope. We want we want to see God and we want to see what God has prepared for us. Now, something, the Bible says, will happen, but. The hope of the believer gives us an assurance of what God wants to do in our life. So therefore, it is a perfect assurance. It is a confidence and knowledge so that we know that our hope then is a possession that God has given us. My hope is what keeps me moving, is what keeps me growing, is what keeps me going. See, when people stop doing, it's because they have lost all hope. Are y'all still with me? The believer possesses the hope of glory only by the Spirit of God who dwells in there again. That's one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. We keep talking to you all because y'all say you have the Holy Spirit. But one of the things the Holy Spirit does is indwells the hope of God in us. So whatever God says we can do, the Holy Spirit seals that and says you can do. it. Amen. But then when we get to number four, things change. The Bible says joy and triumph in trials and suffering is the fourth result. So that means that when I'm going through something, like many of you are going through today, whatever problems I'm having, trials, I, I should be joyful. Now let me simplify that for you because a lot of you uh, have issues with suffering. But you're going through it, listen, you're going through it, because God chose you for it. No, no, wait a minute. Hold on, Pastor. Wait, wait, wait. You, I don't want to be chosen to suffer. Well, then you cannot expect to reign. 
If you don't suffer with him, how are you going to reign with him? See, the things that you're going through are, are supposed to bring about in you a more eternal weight of glory. Things are supposed, listen, you have to go through something to get to something. And the something you're going through, uh, going to, is the access you have with God. You want to be in his presence, amen? So your trials become meaningful to you because they develop you. You quiet on this, okay. I know that God controls what happens to me. So whatever it is, I know that he meant it for my good. You, oh, come on now. Come on, come on. He's always working this thing out, and that's what we have to understand. God is working it out for you. You're going through it, but God's working it. Listen, you're going through it, but he's working it. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm going to make sure that you come out of this as long as you stay faithful. Remember we said obedient faith. You're going to come out of this. Now, look, and I make sure I put it in my notes so I said it to you. Even if God has to move every event in your life to bring you to a healthy conclusion, he's going to do it. Yeah. See, he already sees the obstacles that you're going to be confronted with while you're going through. That's why you can maintain your joy. Because he said he meant it for my good. No matter what it is, I know that he's working something out in me. You know, if, if I don't have problems, I don't know how to solve them. Amen. The idea that you're going to live a happy life and everything going to be all right is ridiculous. In this life, you will have trouble. You will. Amen. Why is that, Pastor? Because you live in a sinful world. Do you, I think most of us have forgotten that this is not your home. This is an alien planet that you invaded. Come on. And they're hostile to you. They are. You came here to study the culture and hopefully to be able to witness and minister to some of them so that they can come back with you when you finish. But you didn't come to be one of them. You won't go to Mars and become a Martian. But you came from heaven. Huh? What does it say? To show the way. So, so, so remember that song we sing, he came from heaven to earth. That's what, that was your journey. You came from heaven. You came to earth to check out the planet. You found the planet to be sinful. You came to change the behavior of sinful people so that when you left here, the place would be better and they would have a way to follow you. Are y'all still with me? Oh, my. So sometimes when you're dealing with sinful people, you're always going to have problems. Amen. 
Can I tell you this? I know this is hurtful. But even your children, before they get saved, are sinful people and you got to deal with them. And they can be hurtful. Don't help me looking at me like that. I know you love them. I love them too. But the fact is, they can hurt you. But you don't quit. You don't give up. You say, the reason I'm going through this is so that I can get my child to its destiny. Mm. Oh, y'all ain't following me at all. So the Bible says that this, 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 this joy that comes from my tribulation starts a chain reaction. And this is what Paul says about the chain reaction. He says, first, there are trials. And the word is thelipsis, thelipsis. That word trial uh, stirs up patience. Hupomone. That's, that's, that's patience, by the way. That, that word is also uh, translated endurance. And it means pressure, oppression, affliction, and distress. What? Yeah. Trials bring affliction, even, listen, even sometimes death. What? You mean to tell me that I can die to learn a lesson? Well, you can die to learn how to live in heaven. Then the Bible says, patience stirs us to an experience. Experience, dokimen. And that means character, integrity. It is a gaining strength through the trials of life. We call that character. Everything that happens to you in life develops you as a person. That's called character. Amen? And a lot of us don't want the experience, and therefore our character never develops. If you listen, listen, if you find people who always avoid confrontation, people who don't like to do anything that would cause problems, people who just want to get along, you know that they grow up weak. How many of you know I'm telling the truth? They become wishy-washy. They're ambivalent about everything. And the Bible says that, no, 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 no. Trials are designed to give you an experience, and that experience develops your character. Are we still together? And then experience then stirs up our hope. Notice what it says here, that we are to expect with confidence. In other words, if something's going to happen, I know it's going to be all right. See, we live a life where we're always dreading what might happen. You know, well, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, I saw on the news where somebody died in an accident. Well, that's not my hope. My hope is that I'm going to be safe. Oh, yeah. So the Bible says, hope never shames. It never shames. Now, let me pronounce this one for you. Kataishchino. Kataishchino. It means not to be ashamed. So hope never disappoints. What does it mean, never disappoint? I know my hope will always be fulfilled. Amen? So will 
live forever in the presence of God because I have that hope. He's given me that hope. Amen? So that's the, the progression. Watch what we see. There's trials that produce patience, and then there's patience that produces experience. Experience gives us hope, and that hope then makes us not ashamed, which means, listen, when people get ashamed, it generally quits. Y'all follow what I'm saying? Folks become ashamed, they won't do it anymore. You know, you're in the choir, you're singing a song, and you, you hit a couple wrong notes. Now you're embarrassed. I, I ain't coming back. Because you know it was them that was wrong, though. Are y'all with me here? You're, work, you're working the door, you're usher, and somebody cusses you out. You're ashamed now. You ain't coming back. I ain't coming back there no more. I ain't no people cuss like that. Will you live in a vacuum? No, I mean, really. You, the things that, that make us ashamed are ridiculous. Huh? You see people out here in the wintertime on ice. They fall all the time. See, if it's like me, I always wait until you get up and make sure you're all right before I talk about you. If you're not all right, I'm going to try to help you. But if you're all right, I ain't going to let you be shamed. I'm going to talk about you. <laughs> Would you do that, Pastor? Just as sure as God made you go green apple. Because I know you would do it to me. And I expect you to. Amen. <laughs> so this brings us to the fifth result. The fifth result. The Bible says this. The fifth result is continuous experience of God's love through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now this is the one that I wanted to spend a little more time on because this one is the most important. The Bible says that it is continuous, 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 which means that God loves me all the time. What? He loves me all the time. Even when I have a problem loving him back, he still loves me. And what we fail to understand is that the love of God is demonstrated by his justifying us. In other words, he said that I love the world so much I'm willing to give my son for it. Amen? The Holy Spirit then sheds his love, the love of God. It's the Holy Spirit who sheds the love of God in our hearts. Now, here's what I... I, I, I I want you to get this, and we talked a little bit about this last night. The love of God is agape. Now listen to me very carefully. You don't have that. Agape belongs to the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God that's shared by the Holy Spirit. Then he puts it in my heart. 
when it gets in my heart, it is still God's love, not my love. Do we understand? And the problem we have loving is because we're trying to do it our way. It's we want it to be my love. It's not your love. It's the love of God that is shed abroad in your heart. And when you have a relationship with people, it is that love of God that God wants us to display. But we can't display the love of God unless we are mature, justified saints who walk by faith. You can't share the love of God unless the love of God is in you and able to flow through you. If it stops in you, it's not the love of God. It is the love you have. It, listen now, it may be the love you have for God, but it's not the love of God. Because the love of God is God's character placed in you. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world. That's why he said that God is love. Are you understanding this? James 1.17 says that God is unchanging. So the way he loved you when he saved you, are y'all following me? Is the same love that he has for you today. The same way he loved you when he sent Jesus to die is the love that he has for you right now when you're sitting there with your rebellious attitude, feeling down. Amen. It's the same love because it's the love of God. If it was any other kind of love, you wouldn't be able to flow in it. Are y'all following me? This is why people break relationships, because they don't have the love of God that's shed abroad in their heart by the Holy Spirit. They like each other, but they don't like them enough to give them the love of God. Yeah. Now, let me say something about agape. Agape does not operate on feelings. Feelings don't matter. Write it in your book, Bible, whatever. Feelings don't matter. Feelings don't matter. Feelings don't matter. It's the love of God. Remember, God didn't ask you if you wanted to be saved. Uh-uh. He said, I'm going to send Jesus. And I'm going to give you a choice. And when you deal with your brother and your sister, this is the kind of love you should be able to display. It's not about what I do or I don't do, how I say, what I say, when I say. No, 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 no. It's not about who I like and who I don't like. As a matter of fact, listen to me. Most of us, most of us get things messed up because we believe that we ought, to, we ought to, I ought to do what I think is right. No, do what's right. I don't care what you think. No, 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 listen. What you think is right is an opinion. What does the word of God say about it? If it says this is the right thing, do what is right, not what you think or feel is right, or what you believe others think is right. See, too often we get too hung up. That's why, listen, that's why churches split. Well, I think they're right. No, I think they're right. No, uh-uh. It's Jesus' church. Why don't you ask him? 
Well, it's the preacher, it's, it's the pastor, it's, it, it, it's the deacons, it's the, it's, no, 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 no. Listen to me, listen to me. If you had this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then the first thing you would say to him, if, if deacon heads is messing up, is, listen, God, I know you sent this deacon to be a part of this church, so therefore, he is a problem for me. You need to fix him. Amen. And, and while you are waiting for God to fix him, what do you do? Treat him like he's already fixed. That's what we said. What did I just say? See, this is why you can't get along with folk, because you're making decisions about stuff that's, that's on God's level that you ain't got no business. If you find anything at all wrong with anybody in church, talk to the one that put them in your church. Ask Jesus, Jesus, why you let so-and-so come to my church? He'll give you an answer. Now, you ain't going to like it, but he will give you an answer. That's why so many people have their own church. Now, I know, you know, what I'm about to say is going to create some problems, and I'm going to be very careful how I... Every time I get to a message where I start talking about salvation, I always say, and, uh, and, and I always I use Brother Jones to back me up, so he's my backup. I wonder sometimes if people understand salvation, if they un understood what it means to be saved. When you decided that you were going to make, let's, let's do it in the military. Can we do this? You decided that you were going to make Jesus your four-star general. Okay, you made that decision, right? You joined his army, and, and, and he's, he's the four-star general. You signed up, four-star general. Any of y'all been in the military? A few of you, right? Okay. How many times do you ever question a general? Hmm? Even people who don't know anything about the military. Why, why, why would you question a general? Here's why you don't question the general. Because he didn't start out being a general. Now listen, listen. Everybody who's been in the military know that one of the things about rank, if you're a four-star general, it means that you have an education. You don't have no Mustang four-star general. Y'all know what I mean by Mustang, right? They don't come from the ranks. They don't, they don't do that. Because at a certain level, you have to have certain qualifications. You, you understand this? And when you reach that level, it means that somebody, somewhere, has vetted you through each one of those ranks. Huh? And I can usually use the Army because I don't know about anybody else's rank, but from a second lieutenant all the way up to a four-star general, that means that you have been vetted by a whole lot of people. There are certain schools that you must have attended. They tell you, you can't get promoted to this rank unless you have this. Hmm? Now, people who see that guy with them four stars on the show, they, all, they don't know anything about his resume, but they say, now, this guy been through something. He's had some training. Huh? 
Somebody trusted him with some authority. So why would you, private, question the general? Does anybody understand that? But you can come to Jesus' church, question every assignment he's made in church, even though you don't have any authority over any of the assignments. And you decide, I don't think that Fred Jones ought to be no minister. I can minister better than him. Well, if you could, you'd shut up and you wouldn't be saying that. Because the first thing that you would learn is self-control. If you thought he was not that great, nobody would know it but you and the Lord. And until you get to that point, you can't be a minister. Mm. And why is it that we feel that we have so much authority? It's because, again, we don't have a relationship. The Bible calls it a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a superficial relationship. We have a relationship like we do with each other, and the Bible says that won't cut it. Most of us have these kind of relationships where I can take you or leave you. And the fact of the matter is, if I am in fellowship with you, then I want you to be just like me spiritually. Now, I'm not talking about individuals. I want you to have the same love for God that I do. Why? Because I don't want no mutiny on the boat. Amen. Are y'all? We come to a place where we think, we think that the love of God is how I feel. No, it's the love of God. Why is it called the love of God? It's not the love of Minister Jones. It's the love of God. If it's the love of God, then it is the love that God himself, his character, has placed in me through the agents of the Holy Spirit. And if that love is working in me, then you ought to feel the same way about me than he does. Y'all with me? I still don't think they got it there. You ought to feel the same way about every other brother and sister in Christ as God does. That's why, that's why the church is in a mess. Come on. Never does the Bible use agape to explain man's love. Never. 1 John chapter 2. Okay, I got to, I got to quit here because I'm trying to be obedient. I owe y'all some time. <laughs> All right. Remember which verse we always quote to you, 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. says, they went out from among us, but they were not of us. You remember that? For if they had been of us, that means, in other words, all of us sharing the same love of God, right? They would have continued with us because we have access to God and it's continual access. Remember, we come to stay. But he said this. 
but they went out that they might, made, might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So that, listen, sometimes people fake it and they tell you, oh, I love you. Huh? That's why folks say, well, I love you, but I got to leave you. Verse 20, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and guess what? What? All right. Now, if you know all things, then the one thing that you should know is that if you and I are saved by the same God, shouldn't we have the same spirit? Shouldn't it be the same Holy Spirit that flows from heart to heart? And you should feel the same love for me that I feel for you? No matter what, no matter what, it's un, agape is the only unconditional love. It doesn't have anything to do with my behavior. It has to do with God's behavior. Are we getting this? That's why you can't have it your way. You got to have it his way. the love of God. Amen. Well, I had one more, but I don't want to go with that one. What is this? Just, just, just go to John, 1 John chapter 4 since you're right across the page from it. <laughs> Here's what the Bible says in verse 17. Love has been perfected among us. Among who? Us. Who? Us. Whoa, wait a minute. So it's, we kind of all in this thing together, right? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. So we came to change this planet. Huh? Bible says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he gave us his love, the agape, so that we could love him back. And that Holy Spirit that's operating in us keeps us living in love and loving each other. Do we understand this? So then the results of my justification... I have access, but I can get along with you because I have peace with God. Huh? And I have hope. And hope does not disappoint because I've got the love of God. Amen? Amen. Stand up. I don't mind me. Now, I'm going to give you this key while you're...